Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. I am Lisa and I am your host today. Hello. And we are very, very excited because not only do we have some of our our regular folks, but we have a special guest today. And this topic is a little bit of a departure for us, but it's one that we've been thinking about for a while. uh, And that, as I'll get into later, I did some important market research on over the past couple of weeks to find out what people know, don't know, want to know about this topic. But before we dive into that and introduce our guest, I'll first say hello to Katie and hello to Christina. Hi. And they're waving. And we are really, really excited because our topic is Whiskey 101 for Beer Nerds. So this is really assuming you you may know nothing about whiskey. This is just going to give you the basics, but we'll also talk a little bit about just what's some of the terminology you come across, what does it all mean? And a little bit about what's special about Irish whiskey, but we can't do that ourselves. And that is why we have brought on world-renowned drinks writer, Mr. Lou Bryson. Lou, say hello. How are you? Hello. We are so excited to have you. So excited to have you. So for those who don't know, first of all, you, you should be following Lou on all the socials. He has some amazing books out. He's got many, many out about beer. I have two of his whiskey books behind me. So I have Whiskey Masterclass and tasting whiskey, but Lou and I go way back from the the Pennsylvania beer scene, so I'm very, very happy to have him here. But uh, before we dive into all of that, I do want to say our usual spiel, which is we are at Beer Ladies Pod on most of the socials. You can follow us there. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Mastodon. We are on YouTube. You can buy us a pint. All, All of the things, just look for Beer Ladies Pod. You can go to our link tree for Beer Ladies Podcast. We'll talk about it again at the end. But before we do that, we will get into what we're all drinking, and then we'll find out a little bit about more about how Lou kind of got onto this topic and what are the things that we just don't know about it. So I'd like to start with our guests. So Lou, what have you got? I know we're making you do some day drinking. It's it's a hard life, but uh, all right. it's okay. <laughs> what have you got? Uh, well, whiskey first. Um, we're all doing Irish today. Uh, uh, still getting used to this. Uh, red breast. I have a uh, red breast 12-year-old. Um, the classic uh what they call single pot still or mixed mash whiskey and we'll we'll get into all that um but it was it was one that was actually uh introduced to me by fergus carey in oh Philadelphia. wonderful yeah, i got my first sip of it from him 
Oh, um, Fergus is a legend. If you don't know, he's he's, <laughs> he he's like the unofficial mayor of Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. Um, and for uh, beer, I have my uh, local oh. brew pub, Elk Creek Cafe and Ale Works, here in, uh, as I like to say, the the smack dab center of Pennsylvania, uh, in Milheim, Pennsylvania, a tiny little town that we just moved to about a year ago. This is their uh, rookie brown ale. Oh, um, that looks lovely. And the the beautiful thing is, it's. <laughs> I can get a brown ale anytime it's open. They always have the brown ale on, which is rare anymore. Yeah, we, we are team brown ale here, as, as our regular listeners know. So we are always trying to manifest more brown ales into existence. So that is wonderful to hear. And, and uh, we'll that's also, a thing. Yeah, we'll also say, listeners, if you want to hear more about Milheim, listen to Lou's podcast, <laughs> Seen Through a Glass. It is, I, again, I have to say, even just as a if I didn't already know you, I would just find it so soothing to hear, you know, your your dulcet tones as you <laughs> highlight some of the local food drink producers. Uh, it's it's just really fascinating to hear what's going on in another part of the the food and drink world. So thank you. So thank you, Lou. Katie, what have you got? So my I myself, Lou, and Lisa are all drinking, I believe, the same whiskey. The re I have mine from Tiny Tipple. Same, same, and I. I love the cute little bottles that they come in, right? Oh, they, they are lovely. I actually got my husband a selection of their gins for Christmas. Oh, yes. You know, if you don't want to go out and buy the expensive bottles, you can just buy little little sets. I think it's a it's a brilliant idea. And I love the lovely wax seal on it. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, we'll say not not spawn count, not spawn con. We're just fans. We love their business no. model, what they do. I don't think you could do their business model in the U.S. because there's complicated laws of what you can ship where yes. to whom. It's all very different. But sorry, go ahead, Katie. What, what have you got for your uh, your and beer? My, my beer is a Hope Dublin Porter. Oh, very which nice. Which has appeared on this podcast, I believe it. It has. Uh, <laughs> before. So this is uh, still there from my Christmas collection. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can very, have a look nice. At this. very nice portrait there we go yeah it is lovely and christina i i, I know you're doing more of a, a show and tell than a drink tonight but what have you got so i actually was sent this a while ago a couple years ago i think um so this is the tula mordu uh triple distilled uh whiskey um which is kind of famous tula mordu i think it's kind of famous here in ireland um so yeah um full disclosure I'm not the biggest whiskey fan, so I'm really excited to like learn more, um, even though I have found myself on many a whiskey tour and many a whiskey tasting. So I have a list of questions, Lou, that I'm that I'm prepared uh, to ask you, but um, it always looks so good. So, you know, maybe I just need some more education. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe it's finding the right one. Yeah. I'm kind of similar there to Christina. It smells nice as well. I like the smell of whiskey. It's just this... It, Brains a little. Oh, yeah. It's oh. like backing up to a mule and letting it kick you. <laughs> yeah. There's no way around that. That was an incredibly evocative statement. I love it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, gosh. And I will go to so the, the beer I got because we already said I've got the Redbreast 12 as well, also from Tiny Tipples. I have the McNutty uh, Macadamia Nut Brown Ale from Lock Gill. And this is always good. And it's a it's a lovely sort of deep brown color. Again, we love our we love our brown ales. This is one that tends to be pretty available. Although I say that at the bar we were all at the other night, I could see it on the tap handle and it had kicked and I, I felt personally, you know, like they had done it to me. 
but anyway, but that's okay. I've got a can. So. Yeah, and so. if you if if you sense a lack of enthusiasm today, I think it's because we all did the dog the other night. <laughs> oh, I, yes. I closed Elk Creek Saturday night, so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drink responsibly. I mean, again, we were all very good. Everyone got taxis home. We were all, you know, I, very I'm well looked after. It's a three minute walk for me. So yes, even even, even better. better, even oh. better. So I think, I had, I think uh, oh, go ahead, Katie. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say I had the joys of the C5, the night bus. <laughs> but at least it's there now. At least it's there now. So I think, again, I think we have a lot of basic questions about whiskey, even though, again, I have these two excellent books behind me, which have been a, a very good introduction. But there's still a lot of, I would say, terminology and uh, just things that are like, once you nerd, it up, nerd out about it, I'm sure you get it. But I, again, I did some, uh, I'll say, light market research over the past couple of weekends, talking to beer nerds and almost to a man or woman, but it was mostly to a man just because that's, you know, how it was. They all so said, yeah, they all said, I don't know enough. I'd like to know more. There's a lot of terminology that I find confusing. I don't know what these things mean. I don't want to kind of look stupid, but I, so a lot of just like, I'd like to know more, but I don't know where to go, or I'd like to go, go maybe do a tasting, but I don't know what I'll like. And I think a lot of people too have come across, um, I don't know if it was a mule, but I know for me, I don't tend to like smokier things, but I think a lot of people first come across these very smoky whiskeys and there's lots, lots of different kinds. So maybe we'll just sort of start with, Katie, if you want to read the back of your yeah. people's description, I think that's, gives us a great place to start okay so there's lots of words in this and i <laughs> i know what the word means ah. but i when you put them all together i i don't what exactly does it mean so it's a 100 heavy pot still whiskey with the e of course whiskey with the mm -hmm. e with a high sherry aging percentage it is a pure pot still irish whiskey aged for a minimum of 12 years what does it mean? <laughs> we can do all that. Uh, so let's do the uh, middle first, the uh, the pure pot still. The interesting thing there is that's actually older terminology um, because some people get upset about the whole pure thing because pure is oh. a, it's kind of like saying old. Eh, how pure? How old? Uh, okay. So um to uh, so it wouldn't be taken as a a quality statement, but rather as a statement of which it is a statement of process how, okay. the, how the whiskey is actually made. Um, they took to calling it single pot still, which I don't think is a lot more can lot less <laughs> confusing, but it's not pure. Uh, so what that really means is now that I've gone through all that blather, um, it's a mixed mash whiskey. It's it's more than one grain and. In um, in this case, I mean, this is one of the things that makes some Irish whiskey unique. What they use is a mixture of malt, unmalted barley, and then they may add a third or even a fourth grain. But usually it's just, you know, when I say usually, I mean, Redbreast is malt and raw barley. And, you know, you were saying about uh, all the stuff that beer people want to know about and one of the things that you, yeah, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I fought against it for years when I was younger, you really have to go because I read about this and I drank it and, oh. and all that. And I had people tell me about it, who'd been there. And the instant I walked into the brewery at Middleton, I was like, oh, 
oh, because it smelled like nothing else I'd ever smelled. They were right. cooking this raw barley and malt together. And it just had this, you know, the, the, the word that came to mind was green. It was so fresh. It okay. was just uh, an amazing aroma. And um, and all of a sudden, I, I had like a whole new layer of understanding to red breast and single pot still. So that's what the single pot still is. Now, the heavy pot, um, the thing with whiskey is uh, there's always this point where um, people are learning about learn whiskey, learning about whiskey, and they come to the point where they realize that, oh, my God, all the whiskeys this place makes, and they may make, I mean, Middleton, Jameson yeah. makes, God, 10, 12 different kinds of whiskey. They all have the same recipe, and they immediately Thanks. think they're the same whiskey, but it's not like beer. I mean, and actually beer isn't like beer either. I mean, you can have <laughs> the same the same uh, grains going in, do a different uh, fermentation, do different hops, do a different yeast, and it'll change the beer completely. But for some reason, people don't want to get that with whiskey. <laughs> They're just like, I found out a secret thing. Well, right. You did, but you didn't. I mean, look at all the all the different single malt scotches. They all have the same green bill. It's all 100% right. malt. Bang, done. And and yet, they're all different. So one of the things they do differently with the heavy pot still. Um, so a pot still, round copper part, stack coming off the top, and then an arm going off to the side. Each one of those things, if you change the the shape, the geometry of it changes the whiskey oh, so okay. if the and it, and it all comes down to what they call reflux i'm, I'm not going to bother going going into <laughs> how all those things change but essentially um squat pot squat a short uh neck and an arm that points down gives you a heavier whiskey long neck a horizontal arm or even one that has a little bit of up angle gives you a lighter whiskey because what happens when you distill i mean we know that when you distill you're essentially like you're working with the two different boiling points of alcohol and water mm -hmm. alcohol boils at a lower temperature water at a higher so as you turn the heat up the alcohol comes off first it's really a simplification because a lot of the water comes with it a lot of other things comes with it um and it's the other things that come with it uh, other alcohols um, I mean, what are generally referred to as congeners and fusel oils. Okay. There's a, a whole, all whole the load of those. All things. the jargon, all, yes. Exactly. <laughs> so what happens is it's all that stuff is starting to rise off the, the heated liquid. And as it goes up the stack or as it gets in the ball or as it gets in the arm, <clears throat> the longer that path is, the harder it is for the vapor to get out, the more of it will condense and fall back in. Okay. So if you have a short or a short neck, a downward pointing arm, it's easy for everything to get out. So you get a, a heavier whiskey. Whereas with a long neck, really all that's getting out is the lightest stuff, the alcohol and some of those things. What do you, so, you mean by heavy versus light? Is it, ah, is, it, is it how it looks? Is it alcohol? Is it it's the um, flavor? It's flavors and and texture as well. It okay. actually does feel heavier in your mouth. Um, 
I mean, the the classic comparison in Scotch is uh, Glen Farkless, which is just very squat, very short neck, sharply down pointed. It's called a line arm. Um, and then Glenmorangie, which and they have the tallest stills in the business. They're, they have like a 16-foot stack on them. They're actually old gin stills. And they oh, okay. just, and it gives you a much lighter, more elegant uh, spirit. It's, <laughs> I mean, you don't get um, like one of these, well, like a, a, the squat still whiskeys will actually have um, like a hint of sulfur to it, maybe even a, hmm. a kind of uh, a meaty taste to it, which, and that sounds weird, but <laughs> you got to remember that the barrels they're putting it in have charcoal on the inside and it's a filter. So right. it, it, I mean, I, I know uh, talking to some distillers here, um, uh, actually, uh, Dad's Hat, uh, Herman over at Dad's Hat oh, okay. in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, people still buy the unaged whiskey, the, the clear stuff. He makes it differently. He'll, he'll oh, strip really? more of that stuff out because when he puts it in the barrel, then all that stuff the congeners the extra chemicals besides the water and the and the alcohol react with what's in the wood to create other flavors but if they don't have that wood to react with they're just kind of nasty right okay <laughs> it strips more of that out but yeah i mean aging is it's a whole mess of stuff going on it's not i mean there's there's interaction with the wood it's stripping flavor out of the wood it's also oxidizing with the oxygen transfer through the semi-porous wood. Um, there's a, an odd maturation process where the alcohol and water molecules are physically combining. Um, yeah, that's a weird one. I'm still trying to understand that. Um, and did I but, hear uh, you say that there was charcoal in the... Barrels. The barrels are charred on the inside. Oh, they're charred. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, it's a, it's essentially a, a, a thin layer of charcoal, and 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 <laughs> that was one of the things I learned doing the book. It's amazing how effective charcoal is as a filter. It's just insane the amount of uh, surface area in a cubic centimeter of charcoal is crazy. It's something like three hundred meters of, of surface area. I don't know how you. Oh wow. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's like um, a sponge, is it? It just Yeah, and it just pulls yeah. stuff out. And yet other stuff is getting into the wood and combining with various compounds in the in the uh, lignin, for instance. Lignin, and when alcohol gets to the lignin in the wood, it breaks down into wow, uh things that taste like fig, things that taste like uh tobacco, things that taste well, and then there's a whole bunch of vanilla in the wood that's being pulled out. It's it's an amazing thing that goes on in there. And of course, that's where all the color comes from. Right. Um, when it comes off the still, it's it's as it looks like water. I, although <laughs> I, I hate saying that because the refractive index is a little different. Okay. So okay. in the light, you can actually tell the difference between alcohol and water because it just it looks different. It shines differently. Okay, presumably sounds... you can smell it, certainly. Oh, uh, you can definitely it. smell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Those actually, fumes. if you put it yeah. on your fingers, you can feel it, too. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. viscosity is slightly... It is different, and it also evaporates pretty quickly. Yeah, right, um, right. So uh, to get back to the last thing on your label, the sherry influence. Yeah, high sherry aging percentage. Yeah, so 
pretty much anymore. I think like 90% of Irish and Scotch whiskey is aged in bourbon barrels, used bourbon barrels, because there's just so many of them. <laughs> um, they're cheap. I mean, you can only use a bourbon barrel. To make bourbon, you can only use it once. It has to be a new barrel. So oh, they use okay. it once and they're like, what do I do with this? I'll sell it to a distillery. And they ship them across the Atlantic in box. I mean, they break them down and essentially just throw the staves in. Um, so it's like send... Ikea for, for barrels. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, flat pack them all. And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they, they just, I mean, they go to a, a cooperage, like a Speyside cooperage in Scotland and they just reassemble. And the thing is they're not, they're, they don't bundle them because they're actually uh, making them larger because the standard size in um, the Scotch and Irish whiskey industries I want to say it's like 225 liters instead of 200. It's not a lot, but it's it's more. So they just put everything back together and it fits. I mean, it's amazing if you if you've never been to a cooperage, they do all this stuff by eye. Oh, gosh. it's not a machine. It's incredible because all the staves are just slightly different. It's it's amazing to watch. They do one in under a minute. Oh it's my like, goodness. Wow, Christina, you you look like you've heard a lot of science and you're like I'm thinking now. There's a lot happening. <laughs> Well, yeah, so so I've done some thinking about why I don't like whiskey. And I, because I realize there, I do like smoked whiskey. So I'm the weird one that likes smoked <laughs> whiskey. And I've realized this, and I don't know how this translates. So Lou, you probably can explain this back to me because I've figured out, so I don't like oaked wines. And I've realized okay. that that's what I don't like in the whiskey, the strong oaked flavor. But when it's smoked, that kind of takes over that. So then that's fine for me. So are there other whiskeys besides smoked whiskeys that wouldn't have that strong oak flavor? Or am I just amateur houring this and that's just <laughs> not a thing? No, Everyone I, likes I, what I they think, like. That's okay. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. true. I, I think what you might want to try is is the ones with the heavier sherry influence. Okay. Um, because it, sound, it sounds to me like, and I'm obviously, I'm not in your mouth. Um <laughs> Uh, what you're objecting to is sorry. Um, what what you're what you're objecting to is the is the bourbon oak more than anything else. I mean, and bourbon, I mean, bourbon just flat out has it. It's it's unavoidable. It's the biggest influence in in bourbon. There's a rule of thumb in um, the Scotch uh, business: fifty percent of the flavor comes from the barrel. Mm, yeah. With bourbon, it's more like eighty. Uh, because oh, they're okay. new barrels they're they haven't been used before whereas scotch and irish are over 99 percent are used barrels um middleton and, and now some other distilleries have been experimenting with uh first use barrels but i mean for centuries it's been used barrels um first largely sherry <laughs> and then as people stop drinking sherry so much uh they've been using a lot of bourbon um yeah it's gotten to the point where uh distilleries are literally buying sherry uh, new new pressed sherry they buy the barrels they pay the sherry bodegas to put the sherry in the barrels and store it for them and then when it's done they essentially dump it in a vat say it's yours thank you bye oh, and they run off with the barrel it's amazing it's oh, wow. and then most of it gets turned into vinegar because <laughs> they just no nobody's drinking sherry yeah um, there's I've, a, ma I've made a note here now to try sherry barrel aged whiskey, so yep, I, yep. I will look for that. 
Yeah, and I feel like they're really well labeled. And maybe this is a question too, because you'll see a lot that's, you know, sort of port finish or sherry finish or, and, and I guess, is that more kind of down to the, I guess, sort of the preference of the distiller or is it to do with like, you know, kind of their blending program? And, and how does that kind of figure in kind of what's aging versus kind of what's blending? Because I know there's, these are different well, skill sets that. There's aging and there's finishing too. Okay, right. So finishing is essentially a way to get sherry flavor into a bourbon aged. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what you do is you, you age it for what? 10 to 12 years, maybe in a bourbon barrel. And then you put it in a sherry barrel for anywhere from, I mean, usually it's at least six months, usually more like a year. Um, and sometimes even more. I mean, I've had some uh, that were, <laughs> they were finished in a cognac cask for eight years. Oh, wow. That's more than a finish. <laughs> That's like, come on. Um, which is actually a relatively new thing, the cognac uh, finishing. Um, only been seeing that in oh, maybe the past five, six years. Okay. Uh, does wondrous things for Irish whiskey in particular. I've had a couple of cognac finished Irish that are just phenomenal. Um, wow. Okay. So, but what it's um, bleh, aging. Um, aging takes long. You, you see that um, uh, Irish whiskeys and Scotch whiskeys usually have longer age statements than Americans. It's not because they're. It's not because they're better. It's because they are using a used barrel. It takes okay. longer to to get some kind of flavor. It's also a lot cooler than it is oh, in Kentucky. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, you got to think about uh, places like um, Cavalan whiskey is made in Taiwan. I think the oldest they've ever made is a five-year-old because otherwise it's just gone. It evaporates. Oh, literally, gotcha. literally evaporates. It's yeah, no, this is... Yeah. The, angel, the angels portion. The angels share. Exactly. The angels yeah. share. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's, yeah. it's real. Yeah. yeah. No, that, and that's ringing a bell because I, I did a whiskey tasting, an online whiskey tasting from the, the L. Mulligan folks here. And one of them was oh, yeah. um, a, a distillery in India. And that was, they were saying, because it is so hot, they, they really yeah. have to kind of work work fast, if, if you yeah, like. You gotta it was watch just it. very different from anything. And, and again, obviously, I'm no expert, but very different in kind of character, you know, sort of mouthfeel, all of those things from yeah. anything else I had tried. And presumably, again, the temperature is such a huge factor there. Yeah, so. I, I know they've, they've gone to India and, and Taiwan. Um, they've gone to great lengths to kind of what harness that um that temperature that humidity yeah. to produce something still produce something fairly close to but you're absolutely right it's still it's still different which yeah. i mean that's what it's all about yeah um, no, absolutely work you know. with what you've got so although yeah. that's that's an interesting question too and again guys feel free to jump in with other other questions christina i know Katie, we're kind of I, wandering here oh but <laughs> which is fine it's what always happens it's what we do it's what we do we get very tangential but i i, I think it's it's one of those things that it struck me realizing initially but i guess it just is like there is no kind of equivalent of like bean to bean to bar like you would have in chocolate for whiskey like things are you know, kind of, it, it's almost never going to be kind of made on the farm where the barley was raised. Like there are some exceptions, but I feel like it's it's gone somewhere at some point, either to sit in a barrel or to be malted, or it, it would be hard to do the whole process end to end with how things are currently set up in most there, places. There are a few exceptions to that, but very few. Um, one of the interesting ones is actually in Ireland, Waterford, 
yeah, I they keep track of literally what field the barley comes from, and then they keep it discreet in this um, facility they call the cathedral. I think it has 36 different bins for the different farms coming in, all the same strain of barley. Okay. The only difference oh, wow. is is the farm that it's grown on. And it's, I mean, I set up a blind tasting for a friend of mine. He, had, he hadn't heard of Waterford, didn't know what was going on. I gave him three and they're all the same barley, all the same yeast, all the same distillation. Only difference was the farms. And they're all Irish farms. Yeah. Even. Yeah. And he's like, well, I think this one is is probably Irish. I think this one's an American single malt. And, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> you pull it off at the end of it, it's like, and and I have to admit, well, I was I knew what was going on and right. I couldn't couldn't figure it out. It's just amazing. Oh, that's and we're always such big advocates of saying, you know, the barley is so important for beer and you know that we don't give enough credit to where it's being grown, how it's being malted, all of those things. But that's a great example of how yeah. how really, you know, how much of a variation. Yeah, I mean, they, they bent over backwards to make sure that the only difference was where the barley was grown. And it well, it comes singing through. Yeah. I, I have a question. Sure. Um, again, not knowing very much about this, but like when we drink beer and we judge it or we're like tasting it, we look for certain characteristics. So when you're drinking whiskey, what makes a good whiskey to you? Like, what do you look for? And if I was, you know, me, I am me, who doesn't know very much and I was <laughs> trying, you know, whiskey, what would I be looking for in a good Irish whiskey? What, what sort of characteristics would I really want to see? Okay. Um, when I'm uh, drinking Irish whiskeys, let's let's start with that specifically. Um, the first thing I'm looking for is uh, a, a certain amount of softness because I have yet to have had a good Irish whiskey that was as aggressive as a bourbon. It just doesn't fit. It's not the right profile. Um, what, what is softness? Softness... Um, well, wow, uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's what, I mean, a completely uh, fair question. Let's turn it around and say what's, what's aggressive, what's assertive, um, hot flavors. Um, okay. Uh, more of that, that mule kicking, but not alcohol. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm trying to put together a story, uh, why some whiskeys are hot at 86 proof and others at 110, you just go, <laughs> oh my, oh, that's very nice. <laughs> And they tell you the proof, you're like, yeah. Right. Um, and, but it's, I mean, it's sometimes it is alcohol, obviously, but mm. not always. And there are other other factors involved. Um, I, yeah, we used to have this thing where we would ask uh, the distillers, and it was much easier in those days because when I first started writing about whiskey, there were three distilleries in Ireland. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, you'd ask them, so what, what, what makes an Irish whiskey? And they'd say, well, it's triple distilled. I'm like, well, no, Cooley isn't. Oh, well, um, <laughs> it's um, it's uh, pot still. Uh, no, Bushmills isn't. Um, it's uh, And we'd go all through. And finally, at the end, they said, well, it's made in Ireland. Uh, like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and one guy went further than that uh, and and said, you know, and that's that's a lot of because that's where it's aged. And the temperature and the and the climate and the weather and the humidity have a lot to do with it. And I I do think that has a lot to do with the character of a 
and I hate to, but typical Irish whiskey, they they don't have that aggressive um, hot flavor to them. I, I, I can think of maybe two Irish whiskeys I've had that, that were hot. Um, and both of them were over a hundred proof. So some of that might just have been, might've might been the alcohol. Uh, yeah. So that would be something I'm looking for in a single pot still like, like red breast, I'm looking for uh, a particular intense fruitiness. Um, and that's coming from the, uh, from the fermentation and from mm -hmm. that, that raw barley. Uh, another thing about Irish whiskey, it's just, it's not a rule or a regulation. It's just, um, it's just how it's, how it's made because that's, I always come back to, uh, well, I don't always, <laughs> anyway, I sometimes think of uh, what the French winemakers mean when they talk about terroir, because they're not just talking about the ground that the grapes are grown in. They're talking about the whole thing. Someone who's been making wine in that same place for five generations. And that's what I think is, is a lot of the effect on Irish whiskey. Um, Irish distillers tend not to drive their stills as hard. They don't push the stills with, with a lot of heat. So the result of that is you get a lot more of the fermentation character carrying over rather than being driven off. And, and you do pick up those, um, I mean, it's it's like beer, you're picking up esters, you're picking up um, floral notes, uh, fruit notes, and it's it's all coming from the, the fermentation. So that's what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm looking for in an Irish whiskey. Obviously that, that would be different. I mean, in a Canadian whiskey, for instance, I'd be looking, well, I was gonna say I'd be looking for caramel, but I really what I'm <laughs> looking for is one that keeps the caramel a little under control. Um, <laughs> it can be a little much. Go, yeah. A little much sometimes, yeah. Um, but that's what, I mean, in all of them at any time, I'm usually looking for for balance. I mean, just like a beer, uh, and yet also just like a beer. Sometimes I want to get smacked with it. Right. <laughs> you know? So sometimes, sometimes I'll get a like a five or six year old hundred proof bourbon because that's what I want that day. I right. feel like waking up. And that'll do it. <laughs> Oh God! I think that would put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first first one or two wake you up, but then it's a, <laughs> over the Definitely. peak and down the other side. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like. I Oh, go ahead, Katie. Yeah. No, no, no. You, we want to talk through what this. <laughs> I, I think like. so. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. So you had you read my mind. Yeah. Mm. And I, I'll ha I'll hold my question then for after. <laughs> so, um, first of all, and yours is. You've got a, a wider mouth glass there, um, right. Lisa. You've got a is that one got of the a, got a is that funny one, one of the uh, Irish ones with the. It, with it the, is. This is a tua. So yes, it is, I have yes. one of those. It's in the oh, back of the closet. I should have got yeah. it out. Um, so on, I have a just the classic Glencairn on either one of those, and this is something I just learned two years ago, three years ago. If you if you tilt it up like so, uh -huh. and start smelling here, and then move the glass down or your nose up, whichever comes more naturally, <laughs> you'll actually notice a difference. The, the heavier aromas are coming out at the bottom and you're getting the lighter, more floral aromas up at the top, especially if you've got your thumb under there heating it. Okay, yeah. So there's more stuff coming off. Oh, that's interesting. But so at the bottom, I'm getting more grain and honey. Um, almost like a wildflower honey. And then as I move, oh yeah. 
I Sorry. think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. As I as I move up, I'm getting more um almost like a citrus candy. Okay. Yeah, I definitely get a little bit of that vanilla as well. Right, right. And... You get the vanilla in the metal. Um, because really what I'm thinking of yeah. are, do you remember circus peanuts? Those kind of orange spongy things. Oh my god. That's gosh. what I mean. When I talk yeah. about citrus candy, it's right there. <laughs> it's so strange. There are some whiskeys like Irish, I'll almost always pick up some of that honey and, and the circus peanuts. Uh, Canadian whiskeys, it's roasted nuts and pencil shavings. I'm oh, like, okay. I don't know where it's coming from. It makes me crazy. But, you know, and, and the worst thing is, you know, you'll you'll get one of those and somebody will mention it to us that, you know, I always get this. And then for the rest of your life, you're like, oh, my God, it's there. Well, how did <laughs> yeah. I not notice that before? <laughs> So, and smell smell is very evocative so if, if it you really is you know it's something that you smelt in your youth and you associate it with something else it's like oh that's what it means to me you know and that's this is what i keep telling yeah, people like, you know how to smell this stuff you already yeah. know you just haven't made the connection yet i yeah. uh in tasting whiskey i talk about it as the karate kid method you know <laughs> you've been doing that wax on wax off thing yeah. you just didn't know why <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. And I think that's a great point that, you know, people who are beer nerds who are very used to saying, well, I get this, I get that, and are, are quite confident about it. But then when they try something new, they they kind of are like, well, what, what are other people saying? What what should I be getting? And like you were saying before, you don't want to be prescriptive. You want to say, well, what, no, what do you... because you yeah. ruin it then. You short circuit yeah. the whole thing. I remember yeah. um, I used to do... Uh, I used to be on the tasting panel at the New York Times. They'd invite me up and I'd come in and it was... It's me and Eric Asimov, the wine writer, and usually another guest, sometimes for a brewery, sometimes for a, a liquor store, and Florence Fabricant, the food writer. Mm. And I love that because Florence would always come up with the shit from way out left field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was completely culinary. I'm like, oh my God, she's right. Yeah. She's great. I love having someone in like, well, and Eric with the wine references as well. You know, people just, it's your, it's not what you're used to thinking of. They're there. You just haven't, yeah. haven't made that connection. No, absolutely. And the, the pencil shavings is, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those where like, I only think about it in kind of whiskey terms. I don't think about it mostly for, for beer, but now that you've said it, now I'm like, you know, there are some black IPAs when they've gone wrong, they get the pencil shaving I, character. I got it so. directly over the weekend. I was at Shy uh, Bear in Lewistown. They had a beer that was aged on cedar. Oh. I've Ooh. only ever had two of them in my life. It was oh. a, well, it was it was yeah. more than that. It was a whole grab bag. It was a wet hop pale ale fermented with quite yeast aged on cedar. Oh so. wow. There's a lot going on there. I gotta have that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we threw all the adjectives together and yeah, yeah. so we came <laughs> up with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Mm. Wow. Yeah, but no, because I, I definitely get like I, I feel like with this one, it, it is one is it's a good. I, I think just a good one to, to start with because it, it's not, I don't want to say basic because that has a whole bad like negative connotation yeah, now and that's not, not what it is, yeah. but it's soothing and just has a nice, I don't know, comforting Honestly, flavor. This yeah. one, and one of the reasons I suggested it, people always say, you know, what's, what's your favorite whiskey? Of course they do, right? Of course they ask. And, and I always give them the standard, well, you know, it depends on where you are and what you've had and what you're doing that day. And then I, you know, every time I can't help myself from thinking, but if you actually put a gun to my head, <laughs> that's one of the ones I might blurt out. I really, really like this whiskey. Yeah, it it's is. Just, it is. It's got a little bit of everything for me. Everything yeah. but the smoke. It doesn't have the smoke. 
Yeah, but it's got that, but, again, I like the leathery kind of thing too, without it being too much. I've had some where it's too much of that, at least for me, for other people, it might be perfect, but I think it's got the nice, right. really nice yeah. little touch of it. So yeah, because I, I can recall like going to the, the the whiskey library in Manhattan years ago with a friend and we were just going to be like, we're going to be very sophisticated and get the most leathery whiskey we can find and just <laughs> sit big chairs and uh uh, that was our only, you know, suggestion when 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 they came to take order. We're like, we want something very leathery, and they're like, "Are you sure?" And we're like, "Yes." <laughs> oh yes. Um, and they were lovely about it. So we we ended up with something that was good, but probably maybe not what we were really looking for. But they gave us what we asked for, and that's you know. There you go. So, yeah, no, absolutely, and and then like to to get nerdy again so you know in ireland and, and actually maybe this is a question is it just ireland or is it elsewhere we have the technical file for how whiskey yes you do is. <laughs> and i know that some people are happy with it others want to change bits of it maybe you could just sort of talk a little bit about what it is and how it works it's i have to say one of the most interesting and i'm getting i'm going to jump ahead just a little yeah. bit here one of the most interesting thing for me about the technical file is that it's already been changed, yeah. which I thought, you know, they're going to write this thing and then we're stuck with it. But they're right. like, no, okay, that sounds good. Wow, okay. Um, every every major whiskey making country has its version of the technical okay. file, except Japan. They were actually just working on theirs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, for uh, for America, it's the standards of identification um for um scotland it's the scotch whiskey act um uh, i can't remember the name of it in canada it's some kind of tax thing which mm. essentially is what ours is yeah uh and it it lays down the rules for what is and what isn't whiskey and what you can if you call it a certain thing then you must comply with these parameters um so in the I mean, the technical file talks about um, age. It talks about uh, distillation protocols. Uh, it talks about the mash, and that's where that's where people, I think, mostly got ruffled because uh -huh. um, the single pot still thing. Uh, Kilbegan actually made a whiskey and put it in barrels as a single pot still whiskey. And by the time it was ready to drink, it was no longer a single pot still whiskey because the technical file came out and changed the definition. Oh. So oh. They, I think they had to call it a specialty, special, I can't remember what the hell they did wind up putting on the label, but they were like, really? Because <laughs> they put, I think it was like 30% uh, rye in it. Oh, okay. Which, you know, um, you, <laughs> uh, I mean, that was a fairly common addition to mash bills in the 1800s in Ireland. Right. But because um, <clears throat> certain distilleries had a lot of influence on the writing of the technical file and didn't do that, um, I think the original technical file, it was uh, 5% on, on any on other any grain, grain other or, than okay. any malt or raw barley. And then any other grain was limited to five percent of the total, uh, but I, I'm I don't know if that has actually changed yet or if it's it's headed to change. I can't can't remember the dates, uh, but that is changing. So and that was the thing that amazed me. I didn't think that would, but and some of that is um, I, I have a friend in the industry, uh, Peter Mulryan down at uh, Blackwater, 
and Peter's a freaking bomb thrower. He just you know, <laughs> like stuff like that drives him crazy. Uh, so you know, he writes a blog. He gets people talking about it, and things happen. I, I don't mean to make it mean that it's solely him, but right. Peter definitely stirs the pot. So well, and, you know, with that kind of thing, someone has to, right? Otherwise, it kind of stagnates and exactly you know, things. And down. I mean, that's what we're we've got a, a an American single malt definition finally coming into into the regulations. And that was because a bunch of the distillers got together and said, look, what you're telling us this is, isn't what it is. Could we change the definition? Because we were working with a, you know, I don't know, 70 year old definition. Right. and Nobody in America was making that kind of whiskey then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's all weird in America anyway. So much of it's made in dry counties, but you're still making this. Anyway, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's a weird yep. thing. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, I mean, the problem with American whiskey definitions is almost everything is either bourbon or make it just like bourbon, except with rye or wheat <laughs> or corn. And then, but otherwise, just like bourbon. And then everybody's like, I don't know, that tastes a lot like bourbon to me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now, Christina, you look like you have a, you might have a question. You're, no, you no, no, I'm just absorbing. <laughs> <laughs> so I... if I could, the, the, the one thing I wanted to, and I've got it in, in both books, the um, drink it every day technique. So mm. I came to drinking whiskey because I was, um, I was writing for, I, I was the managing editor at, at, well, what was then Malt Advocate and is now Whiskey Advocate for 20 years. When we first started, we were a beer magazine. And then in the mid-90s, things didn't go so well for American craft brewing. And the owner decided we were going to become a whiskey magazine, which, you know, way out there, first whiskey magazine in the world. And, but we did that. And he's like, so if you want to keep doing what you're doing, you'll have to learn to drink whiskey. Right. And I was like, I know how to drink whiskey. You like screw up your face and knock it back and wince <laughs> yeah. and uh or so... in my case like oh i don't know if you know what this oh. is red, red lemonade oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes it's an it's it's an irish oddity i think yeah red lemonade it's not actually lemony at all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a lot of a lot of people would have you know a whiskey and a red mix lemonade or yeah, yeah mix it up yeah when you're not so, really appreciating it, I suppose. Well, no, I mean, you're not getting everything. You're probably not getting that orange citrus thing. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so what he told me was, you have to drink some every day. And, mm, yeah. and he was, he meant it literally. So I started doing, I started doing an ounce of whiskey every day. And honest to God, it was, it was like backing up to a mule. And I just, <laughs> oh, here we go again, boom, and ah, and it just felt like fire. It was just hot. And yeah, no. about halfway through the third week, I think it was like day 24 or something. I'm like, okay, all right. Ding, ding. I just suddenly tasted fudge. I'm like, oh. what's that? And I take another sip and I'm getting orange notes. And, and, and I mean, it's still hot, but it's not. All of a sudden, other stuff is coming through. So I've... I've I looked into this. I, I wanted to find out more about it. And some of it actually came from my wife's a biologist. She did, uh, she was in the pharmaceutical industry for years. Um, essentially the 
same receptors on your tongue that register heat, uh, capsaicin, hot peppers, also register alcohol. So if you hit your tongue with alcohol at a high enough level, which spirits are, sure. it just, it, it feels like hot, it feels like hot peppers and it, and yeah. they just start screaming. And the thing is, apparently I was always tasting the fudge and the orange, but oh. the, the pain receptors were screaming so loud it wasn't coming through. It was just overwhelming that. And as they became, as my wife put it, upregulated, uh, <laughs> and I pour that alcohol there and, and not, not go yeah, anymore. Um, Cause the, you know, essentially these nerve cells were like, all right, you're gonna keep doing that, fine. Yeah. Okay, reset, new normal. And that dialed down and then the flavors started coming through. And oh. I mean, it's, yeah, it's gotten to the point where I don't even have to, I don't even have to ease into it anymore. I can just go from zero to 110 proof and like, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, some nice peach <laughs> notes, blackberry, a little bit of heat. And you know, most people are like, so you have scar tissue on your tongue. Is on your tongue. <laughs> Not quite. I did. I, uh, I judged, I, I do, you know, I do spirits judging like anybody else who writes about it. Um, I did a round of all barrel proof whiskeys, uh, a few years ago, everything was 120 proof and up. Ooh. And I got to tell you, at the end of it, I was just, my tongue felt like a slab of rubber. It was just like, <laughs> everything had been cleaned off my teeth. It was yeah. squeaking. It was just, eh. we yeah, were done at the end of that. There's no pellet cleanser it. there that's going to, There's no. nothing. No, water doesn't help. All it does is take away a little of the pain, but you still can't taste anything. <laughs> And I guess that is uh, one of the differences from like like judging a you know a beer competition where you might have some of those very high ABV things, but very high ABV is like maybe 10, 11%. It's not going right. to be, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the other thing, I mean, and you know, you do spit. Yeah. You have to, yeah. to go on one of those. But if you're doing like 20, spitting's only so effective because there's so much fume. Yeah. You're still yeah. breathing it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. one of those taste tests at the times we did, we did rye whiskeys. And I think, we, I want to say we had 21. And, you know, Florence and Eric were wine pros. They were just sitting, spitting. And by the end of the, the tasting, we were all just giggling. We were all oh. giddy. It was like, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 21 of anything. That's... Yeah, yeah. It got, uh, got to be a bit much. I was glad I was taking the train off. <laughs> yeah so, i reckon though you'd have to after having the 21 you'd have to try number one again to see if you did it justice on a on a bare tongue you know uh, what i mean that's a yeah, good point <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't any food for it no, usually what i I, do, I mean when i'm doing my own uh tastings for uh for an article or for a book or for whatever i i usually don't do more than six maybe eight in a day because yeah. i just I don't want to, don't want to get yeah. burned out. Yeah, you I do want to be fair to all of them. Yeah. 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 So my question is about blends. Oh. So, so I have this notion, or I used to have a notion, that you just, you distill it, you gather it all together, put it in a barrel, put it in a bottle. Is that what happens? <laughs> okay, so... In in a very small number of cases, yeah, I mean, single barrel yeah. whiskey, single cask whiskey, that's exactly how it is. 
you go through the warehouse, you you sample cat. Well, you don't go through the warehouse. Oh, I'll try that one. Oh, I'll try. They know where every barrel is. I, I mean, right. I, I, you know, they tell you these stories about, oh, these barrels were lost and forget bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they know they where know. every they single know. one of them is. Um, but they, you know, they they will um, take samples from a group of barrels that are all the same age um and bring these little samples back and these days i mean it used to be you have to roll the barrel out and you dip the thing in the thief and you'd pull some out you'd pour it in between bottle now they just have um sparkless battery powered drills and just in the end of it catch the stream and then stick a little oak plug in and off you go uh so that's it's a lot easier now but you bring them all back and if you're doing a single cask i mean they may they may be going through 100, 150 different barrels to find oh, wow. the one that they want. And then you 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 pour that. Um, it may be um, it may be barrel proof. It may not. Uh, proofing is a whole other thing um, that I just learned a, an incredible amount about. It's amazing how adding a completely flavorless liquid to whiskey will change the flavor. And oh, not just yeah. not just diluting it. It's because at different levels of proof, uh, different flavors will come forward. Different other flavors will go to the to the back, and it's I, it was stunning. It was a a whole new thing for me. Anyway, um, so if you do that, you've still got to. Um, I mean, oddly, you have to let the whiskey sit for a while after it comes out of the barrel. You can't put it right into the bottle. You got to let it sit. You have to filter out the uh, bits of charcoal. Um, so a rough filtering there. If it's under 92 proof, 46%, you probably want to chill filter it, um, which is essentially you get it cold and then these proteins precipitate out and you filter them through a, like a cloth filter pad. It's just that if the whiskey gets cold, like when it's being shipped, uh, especially this time of year, obviously, if the whiskey gets cold, it'll get cloudy, and nobody wants cloudy whiskey. Oh, okay. okay. There, there, there's no yeah. haze boys in in whiskey. No one wants no, that. No, we don't so. like that shit. No. <laughs> thank God, no. thank God. I'm yeah. so done with hazy um, things. But if yeah. it, for some reason, I guess it's well. I mean, there, there some reason. It's a chemical reason that I don't understand. Right. There. <laughs> um, at 46 percent above, doesn't happen. Right. So. Okay. This is, I mean, that's one of the reasons you see a fair number of scotches at 92 proof because they don't want to okay. filter it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are people out there uh, who claim they can taste if a whiskey's been uh, chill filtered. They can taste if it has a little bit of caramel color in it, which uh, scotch is allowed to do. Mm -hmm. um, they It's called spirit caramel. It's essentially uh, the wort that is then boiled down to a syrup. So it's all malt, it's still 100% malt, but it adds a little bit of color. And they do it just to get a consistent color from batch to batch, or at least that's the theory. Because the thing is, if it looks darker, it looks older. I mean, I've had 20 year old right. scotches that were like pale, pale straw. I've had 20 year old scotches that were not quite that, but <laughs> pretty, pretty damn garnet. And some of it is because it's, uh, like a first fill sherry barrel and you are getting that much color and some of it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. 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 So those are some of the, so you just have to be aware of that when you're, when you're buying. Um, how did we get into this? Oh, blending. I'm blending. sorry. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> so 
uh, after spending all that time on the exception, let's get to the <laughs> get to the rule. So what you're um, what you're doing there, uh, the blender is actually the the most important person, not the distiller, uh, because the blender is taking all those different. I mean, you've got um, okay, so you've got sherry casks and well, okay, you have European oak sherry casks and American oak sherry casks, and then you have the bourbon casks. So you really have three different types of wood that you're dealing with. Um, and then add into that any of the finishes on the end, port, wine, uh, red wine, white wine, uh, Madeira, cognac, even just fresh bourbon. But basically you're working with those three types. So the blender has to decide um, if it's a new whiskey, what they're going for, what kind of flavor profile and how to get to that with what the what stock they have in the warehouses. If it's a, an already established whiskey, you've got a, I mean, you're, well, some of your distilling and aging program is obviously gonna be aimed at providing you with a steady source of the components of the blend. Right. Scotch also has a, a, it's not a secret, but it's something they just don't talk about. All the blended scotches, almost all the blended scotches have whiskeys in them that the company doesn't own. So oh, they're trading. Oh. Yeah, right? Now that, I mean, that, you know, I was making fun of people like, oh my God, it's not all this, they're all the same whiskey. They're all the, that's the, but that, that was a, really? But they do. Wow. Yeah. And the and the funny thing is, you know, I, God, when I first started writing about whiskey, it was 95, 96. I swear to God, half the scotch distilleries are owned by different companies now. There was like <laughs> this mad merry-go-round in the last 20 years. And um, so, you know, you had these established blends and all of a sudden you have to deal with somebody else to get the whiskey you need for them. And it's... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, That's interesting. yeah, okay. and then you look at because um, blended Scotch and most blended Irish. No, I'll just say blended Irish. Um, one of the major components is what they call grain whiskey, which is a whole other thing. Um, that's more uh, they run it through a, a a column still rather than a pot still. Okay, uh, it might be any grain. It's often wheat. Sometimes it's malt. It all depends on the price of the market. But they'll run that off at like 180, 190 proof, very high proof, and then age it. And you know the whiskey nerds are like, oh, well, that's not even whiskey. You're not getting any flavor. That's just brown vodka. What you're really getting out of it, and, and they will bottle some of those as single grain whiskeys. And yeah, when they're young, they don't have a whole lot of things. They're mostly just sweet, but like a 30-year-old grain is a fantastic whiskey. It's a really okay. cool thing. And it is sweet, but so is all Canadian. And I love drinking Canadian. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so when you say single pot still or single grain, we're talking very different things in terms of what you're things. getting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And single malt as well, which is why the whole single thing is kind of confusing. But <laughs> so, um, so blended scotch will be both of those. Sorry, just it'll be single malt yeah, yeah. and single grain. And the thing to know about single grain is I think there's only five grain distilleries in all of Scotland. Oh, so okay. every blended scotch has it's whiskey all... coming from one of those five distilleries. Right. Yeah. So it's all about the aging and the blending and 
It's yeah. all about the aging and the blending. Yeah. Sorry. You, you, I, no, no, I cut no. you off. You were all talking about single stuff. So I said single pot still. Does that mean, what does that mean? Everything came from the same pot still? Or is it just a marketing uh, lingo? It, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so here's what, mostly it is, but that's ma mainly because there are so few distilleries in Ireland still. Okay. I think we're going to come to a point where we're going to do a... Um, uh, a whiskey of this type, we'll call it, that comes from more than one distillery. Um, and then they're going to have to come up with a new name for that. I, I don't know what they're going to call it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I guess related to that, we've been seeing, I, I don't want to say a lot of, because I feel like I see this when I'm at the airport and maybe, so there's a, <laughs> there's a bit of a sort of location bias for this, but, yes. you know, we'll see the, you know, the whiskey that's been aged in a Guinness barrel or some IPA barrels. And I've tried them again. I'm going to say, you know, disclaimer, I've been at the airport. It's been, you know, like nine in the morning. <laughs> Maybe I'm not at my best, you know, tasting. But Oh, and they're sampling them. Oh, yeah. Is and that... they're sampling gotcha. them. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I don't taste anything beery or, and I'm like, should I be? Am I just missing it? Or is this just purely a marketing thing at this point where they're like, well, these are the barrels we had. And now it's cool to say IPA or whatever it it's... was. It's definitely cool to say IPA now. Um, <laughs> the the one that when I go to Ireland, the one that friends want me to bring back because we don't have it here is yeah. the cider finish. Oh, I don't think I've even come across that one. Okay, yeah. so I'll have to keep an it, eye out. It yeah. may well only be a travel retail, but <laughs> okay, that's that's the one people want. The people who've had it. Well, I mean, and what? Fifteen years ago, it would have been yeah. Green Spot. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because we, no, we didn't sense. have Green Spot. Yeah. Um, but now it's everybody wants the Casme cider. I want, I want that. I want that. I want that. That's fascinating. I did bring yeah. back some some red spot and green spot for for friends when we visited over the holidays. So at least let me pat myself on the back. And yay, yay for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm fascinated now that like beer barrels. Where I'm first of all like, what, what's a beer barrel in this context? They're only like, putting it in there <laughs> so they can age the whiskey in it. Right, and I'm like, yeah. do you get anything from that? I I don't well, know. If do Glenfiddich started it. They started with the uh, the innocent okay. gun beers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So apparently, at that point, they wanted to do a beer barrel finish, and they were just dumping the beer. Now, again, this is the story I've been told. Right. And they were dumping the beer, and some guys like, "Wait, we should at least try this." <laughs> yeah. Okay. First off, somebody would have tried it the very first time oh. you did. Yeah. I would have been. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Me this too. is really good. Yeah. We should vote, right? Yeah. So yeah. They, um, they, I mean, they made a whole brand out of it. And they've got, God, I don't know how many different flavors they have. A bunch. Um, they, you know, they have uh, Asian scotch casks and Irish right. casks and rum casks, cognac casks. So, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's a, there's a, what, I just had a, um, yesterday, I was at a, a local, um, distillery uh big spring in uh belfont pennsylvania they had so the distiller is a home brewer is a mad home brewer just all the time <laughs> and he had done a baldy porter and he took it over to a local brewer he's like oh try this and like oh that's great we should do a baldy porter we've never done one so he said well 
um, how about you do a Baltic Porter and you can age some of it in this corn whiskey barrel that I did. I did a corn whiskey and I dumped that and it was like a four-year-old corn whiskey. And so they dumped it. And while it was in the barrel, they're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> After we dumped the beer out, how about you put some whiskey in it and, and finish it and get the beer? So, so yesterday they had, everything was finally ready. We had the Baltic Porter, the barrel age, the whiskey barrel age Baltic Porter, and then some of the corn whiskey that had been six months in the barrel that they had used to age the Baldy Porter. It was a neat little like oh, triple boiler maker kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's all just kind of going, yeah, and, sort of circular. And clearly different because I also got a little shot of the corn whiskey that hadn't been aged in the beer barrel. Right. I mean, the two beers and the two whiskeys clearly different. Oh, which is, I mean, that's what you yeah. want. Yeah. 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 No, Otherwise, absolutely. why bother? No, yeah. 100%. I feel like we get a lot of the beer aged in whiskey barrels where you get, it's very clear that there's a difference. There's a real, mm. you know, you get that whiskey character in it, but I'm still, again, maybe I've just not had the right ones, but I'm not personally 100% convinced I can tell the ones aged, the whiskeys aged in beer barrels that you're getting. Were they, were they much. trying you on both? That's a good question. I don't, I don't think, I mean, they were definitely different breweries. Like I'm thinking of the, um, or sorry, breweries stroke distilleries because yep. the brewery I'm thinking of is again, uh, Lock Gill. Uh, oh, yeah. They make an amazing series of uh, sort of imperial stouts that they age in different barrels. There's like a whiskey barrel, rum barrel, yep. all kinds of things. And they have very different character, but I'm, I'm just thinking of some of them. The Again, I've only had them in airports, but whiskey is in a beer barrel where I'm like, do I get anything? I don't know. I, like it wasn't bad. Yeah, you, I just didn't get you gotta like. Taste the, you got to taste the whiskey before to see if there's yeah. anything. And again, if, if there is anything and if it's any good. Yeah. And, so and, clearly. And, and of course, is it worth a premium? Because right. you know there is one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we should all be going to Dublin Airport and saying, I need to try the before. <laughs> yes. Then, and we'll see how ah. we get on, you know. Because ah. sometimes you are there for a while, you know, you may as well. That's true. You know what? I think this is just, we should go on a mission. We should get like a 999 seat just to go to Dublin Airport for the free samples. Just think of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my God. Mm. And you could totally do it too. Oh my gosh. But um, I'm, oh, yeah. I don't, so, so I guess, you know, we'll begin to wrap up a little bit, but I, I feel like if, if we want to learn more about some of the Irish whiskeys, again, thinking about either tours we could do or places to go, What, where should we start? Again, apart from your lovely books, which we're going to keep recommending, but what's a good um, what's um, a good place? Actually, I know you mentioned going to Middleton. So Tull Middleton's good. Tullamore has a great, great tour. Okay. Um, okay. They really do. They have a, they have a, a new distillery. Um, they didn't have a distillery for something like 50 or 60 years. They were just buying whiskey and and blending it. They kept the kept making whiskey that way, but um, they built this fantastic uh, distillery outside of Tullamore. Um, I think they're they originally just had a visitor's center in the town in what was one of their old warehouses. Okay. Um, but they they built this incredible distillery outside the town, and they're doing tours now. The cool thing with that is they've got um, I want to see two different types of pot stills and a column still so you can see all of it going um and they use a single pot still single malt and grain whiskey in their whiskey it's a blend of all three okay so they talk about all three they know about all three that's a that's a pretty good tour um teelings has a very good tour mm. in dublin uh the celtic whiskey shop has <laughs> every damn thing 
Um, well, actually, that's not fair. There's there's other shops that do now. It's just that's where I usually go because that's where yeah. I used to go. Um, uh, wow. Um, or just go to go to one of the one of the whiskey bars and learn there. I mean, that's what worked for me when I learned about uh, port. I went to a place in Lisbon that just had a whole shitload of ports and people oh, knew nice. what they were talking about. Okay. Yeah, and you just learn a lot. So. I mean, the, the very best way to learn about this stuff is to drink it with someone who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And who's like someone like you who's not going to say, you should be getting this, you should be getting this, is going to say, I can help yeah. you. Yeah, you I'm wanna... not selling it. <laughs> I'll admit exactly. I'm selling my books, but I'm not selling whiskey. <laughs> so. um, and that's actually, that was um, that was one of the things I do not regret uh, with when I did the books, didn't put a bunch of tasting notes in. Right. Yeah. You so, want people to have, have their own thoughts, ideas. I, I, yeah. Well, actually, I was thinking more about sales because it didn't go out of date that way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a great point. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really like telling people what they ought to be tasting. Mm, um, yeah. Anytime I do talk about it, I want to make sure I, I preface it by saying this is what I'm getting. Yeah. And so. plus, I do feel like you have to account for things like seasonality and just things mm. that there are going to be differences. You know, there was a hot summer or whatever it was, you know. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a batch of uh, Highland Park came out. The Orkneys are famously windy. It's just <laughs> blowing all the time, all the time. And that was from malt that they kilned on a day when there wasn't a whole lot of wind. It was an odd oh, day. Yeah. So the draft on the on the uh, kiln was not as much. The that batch of whiskey didn't get as smoky. Oh, ah. gosh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, just a particular day is. Yeah, you know, it's pretty wild. Yeah, oh, just one thing or another. I mean, I I remember we were. Um, they had. A, I won't go into the details. There's a lot of details. Um, but essentially, I was tasting whiskeys at Glenfiddich. Fifteen uh, year olds. We were putting together a bottle, and. I tasted from two different barrels. They'd been filled within 15 minutes of each other on the same day, sat beside each other in the warehouse, both from the same bourbon distiller, noticeably different. I yeah. don't know why. No Could idea. it be like, because one came off the still at a different time? Different time in the, different time in the distillation room. Maybe, uh, Might've been uh, that much difference in the, in the wood, in the barrels. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Crazy. It's crazy. There was a thing, uh, the distiller at uh, Buffalo Trace, Harlan Wheatley, we were talking about, um, you know, how do you pick the wood that goes into the barrels? Obviously, the Coopers do, the distillers don't. Mm. How do you then pick those barrels, put those in? And he said, well, you know, we can control parts, 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 parts. But when it all comes together, he said, you don't really have a lot of control on that. So I, I think of it as a controlled chaos. <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's you've always got the same components coming in at least then things get a little weird but they get weird within a certain area and that's yeah, where you make right. your whiskey yeah definitely and that's why oh. blenders are so important oh absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely well before we wrap up christina any questions from you i feel like you, you look like you've learned many things i know it's i'm sorry fun. i feel like i'm like, like... no I... we love this I just have one. It's kind of a silly question. Um, so I've watched some documentaries on Netflix about whiskey heists. So like oh. <laughs> some of this whiskey is like just astronomically expensive. And so probably a controversial question, but like, is this whiskey that much? Is it actually that much better that it's worth 
ridiculous amounts of money or it's is it is it really like depends on which one and it and it, it kind of because some of the, i'm just like how is it it's, what are those whiskey options so the, and, yeah it's not so much the quality it's the rarity okay yeah that's really what it comes to because it is really rare like i said the whole the whole angel share thing i mean you start out with ten thousand barrels of whiskey and first off when it gets to be six years old they're going to bottle a bunch of it to make right. their basic flagship whiskey so there's say half of it gone um in that same six years um wow in kentucky probably at least 15 percent of it has evaporated Boom, that's gone. So there's another, what, 1,500 barrels gone. Um, then you're going to bottle some of it at 10. You're going to bottle some of it at 12. By the time, and some of the barrels are going to go bad. Uh, they're going to leak or they're going to have uh, just a sap pocket in the wood, something. You're going to lose more barrels there. The evaporation keeps going. Um, some of the barrels will be used and blended into other, other whiskeys. By the time you get to 20 years old, there's not much left. You know, they release what? I think I want to say, and I'm probably wrong here. I'm just off the top of my head. They release about 1,500 bottles of all the types of Pappy Van Winkle in a year. <laughs> so the 23-year-old, a couple hundred. And right. everyone wants one. So that's that's why the, the price is. It's, I mean, is it good? Yeah, I mean, I've got... Um, a bottle of 15 year old and i i love it it's a really good whiskey is it is it worth i mean the <laughs> the bottle i had if i hadn't opened it today would be worth ten thousand dollars would i pay that for it never <laughs> never i would never pay that much for a bottle of whiskey i mean um is it really good yeah but you're not you're not paying for good anymore yeah, I, and, and I, again, having done a couple of the both virtual and now in-person tastings, like with the El Mulligan folks who just choose amazing things and it's wonderful, but that's the big thing they're advocating is like, these are meant to be drunk. They're, you're not meant to be buying them and just hoarding them away, you know, right? like like a dragon and just, you know, it, no, you know, it's fine if you enjoy it and you're saving it, but come on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even these guys, are, I get a, I'll get collectors who tell me, well, I always buy two, uh, one to keep and one to drink. I'm like, well, I buy two and I drink them. I don't know <laughs> what, what you're talking about. I don't understand. Um, I remember that was one of, the, uh, one of the first whiskey festivals I went to. I think it might have actually been the second one. Um, one of the very first people who were, was a brand ambassador. I mean, now everybody has a brand ambassador. <laughs> but Anthony Burnett uh, was one of the first. And he worked for uh, Glenn Morangy. And I remember him talking, we were getting towards the end of the night and, and he said, you know, I just wish these people would always remember we make it to drink. We don't make <laughs> it to fuss over. We don't make yeah. it to look at. We don't make it to invest. We make it to drink always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, here, here. How about you, Katie? Any, any other uh, final thoughts, questions? Oh, I think I just realized how little I know about whiskey. <laughs> you know, there's so much. I, I learn stuff all the time. I'm not not exaggerating. It never goes away. It never ends. Yeah. Yay! Yes. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. You'll be employed forever. I love it. But no, that's and that's, that's yeah. right. that is why we're doing this is like whiskey 101 yeah, for beer nerds. Right. There's more to find out. There's always more you can deep dive into. We may well do a follow-up episode in the future. Maybe. 
just just putting this out there in the universe maybe katie christina maybe we'll go somewhere and do <gasps> something on site yeah just i'm trying to figure out now how am i going to sell the sip a day to my husband <laughs> <laughs> purely medicinal purely medicinal well, oh well look i think everyone every household in ireland has the medicinal whiskey somewhere right. <laughs> you know even my parents they don't drink but they have but the medicinal have, whiskey you know absolutely i mean to yeah. get over a cold or you know if you can mix it with a little lemon and yeah honey, you know <laughs> It does Definitely. work. It does work. Well, with that, I will say thank you to Katie and Christina. But Lou, thank you so much. We are so appreciate you coming on because we have learned a ton. But where can folks find you? You've got you've got a lot going on right now. I do. I do. Um, I mean, obviously the books, um, which you so kindly put up behind you, um, and they're available obviously on on Amazon and the usuals and at your independent bookstore. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, something I learned from Michael Jackson when he was still alive and writing about whiskey and beer. My name is my brand. So that's my social. L-E-W-E-R-Y-S-O-N. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, I started a podcast. It's about eating and drinking in central Pennsylvania, which, but, you know, I pontificate about other things too. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is seen through a glass and it's uh, available on on all the major sources. Absolutely. And, and it's, I think it's, it's stag podcast on Instagram as well. You've got some lovely yes. behind the oh, scenes right. photos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So don't want people to miss out on those because they are really nice. And again, uh, recent episodes on, I think you had local distillers, you had the Pennsylvania farm show. There's a lot to love there. So we had the whole thing about trogues for the holidays. That oh yes. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big a trogues interview. fan. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. If yeah, folks who have, who have not had mad elf, you, you're missing oh. out. I know. Honestly, I know. one of the best holiday beers made anywhere. It really is. And I don't like cherry. I don't like fruit and beer, but that is They glorious. do a really great job with it. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. So with that, I will say again, we are at Beer Ladies Pod in all of the places. You can go to our link tree. Just look for Beer Ladies Podcast. You can find us there. You can support us. You can buy merch. You can buy us a pint. You can do all the things, but go buy Lou's book and you know, we'll, we'll maybe do another episode on whiskey in the future. But for now... We will say thank you very much and see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.